Hello. I'm Zach. I'm Ashley, and we're going to give you your announcements. Okay, first, the small group night out is next week. So if you don't have anything planned with your small groups, you need to get that planned tonight. Yes, snow is very fun, so plan something fun. Next, we have our really fun spring retreat. Um, it is going to be April 23rd through the 25th at Trout Lake. Um, we are planning some really fun things. So, you know, hurry up and get signed up because you'll really want to be there. Okay, and next, we have every year we have a panel discussion. It's the 21st and the 28th. There is a box in the back for questions if you have them. Like any question that you've wanted to ask or felt but felt too embarrassed to or didn't want to ask to a large group, you can put it in the box and it will be answered. The box right back there, the white one. You got to look. Everybody, you have to look. Okay. So, reminder, you guys have to wait to leave until you are dismissed. We also need to remind um, Eric to, you know, dismiss us. Because Aiden didn't do it last week, and that was kind of a problem. So. All right, I'm coming off the bench. So I, uh, I'm into trivia. I like trivia. I think it's a fun thing to do. So I want to do a little bit of trivia tonight. And of course, when you play trivia, then there's prizes. So uh, here is tonight's trivia. There's three options to win. What are the three qualifications that must be met in order to run for President of the United States? Just give me one. Yep. Yes, that is one of them. You have to be born in the United States of America. That would be one. Wyatt had his hand up next. Yes, you have to be older than 35 years old. And now the hardest one of them all. Anybody? No, you can't search it up. This is trivia. That's cheating. Yes. No, it has to do with, uh, it's another number of years. You have to have lived in the United States for how many years? Nope. Nope. 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40, 40. No, less, far less. 30. No, it's it's more than 10. 20. 12. Nope. 14. Yes. So uh, part of what I like about trivia is getting 
things, and I wanted to bring you guys Reese's peanut butter eggs, but they were out of them at the Shafes. Uh, so unfortunately, I only could find these half eggs and the... All right, so last week you guys started this book of Titus. Titus is a really cool book because it is uh, a letter written by Paul who is basically the LeBron James of the New Testament or the Tom Brady of the New Testament, depending on which sports uh, you prefer to look at. And it's cool because uh, when he would write these letters, when Paul would write all these letters, they, would, they wouldn't just land, they would land and then they would circulate. And so right now, what's happening in the church is the church is super young, and so they're planting all these churches on this island, and uh, so Titus is going to help start them. And what, what we're going to be looking at this week is when uh, setting up these churches, what are the minimum qualifications of those folks who will be uh, the leaders of the church, or say like uh, the team captains if you will. I was team captain once in football uh, in middle school, and because I was the team captain, I could pick my position, and because I uh, thought I was really good at, at this position, I played fullback, and we were the worst team. And clearly, I wasn't a very good team captain because I put myself ahead of the team. So here we are on page 998 in your yellow Bibles, your mustard-colored Bibles, that if you're wondering, they make a great a uh, little pad for doing handstand push-ups in the gym. Yes, we can talk about it later. Okay, we are in verse 5 of chapter 1. Paul says this. He says, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So the first thing I want to say is uh, we hear all of this he, he, he language, and part of that is the cultural context uh, of Crete at the time. They wouldn't certainly permit a woman to have a position of leadership on this island, but it doesn't mean that women were disqualified from leadership in other positions. Uh, for example, this weekend, in the sermon, Paul's talking about a couple individuals who happen to be strong females who were uh, co-workers or co-laborers in what he was doing. So let's not get too hung up uh, that, it can, that it has to be a man to be a leader in the church. So he states, he states his intention for why he left Titus in Crete. He says, this is why I left you in Crete. The whole reason why I have left you where you are is so that you could help set up the church. And what does that look like? Well, if you've ever, uh, if you remember back to um, a few years ago, we had a new NHL team come into the league, 
and the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And so what they do is they do this expansion draft, and so each team has to give up a certain number of their players that are available to this draft. In essence, what we're doing is we're drafting uh, new players or new leaders for the church. So what are the minimum standards? Basically, what are the things that these people have to check on the box of qualifications in order to be considered a leader? Well, the first thing he says about both groups is they need to be above reproach, which is kind of a weird phrase because it's language that we don't usually use. And, and really what it means is uh, unimpeachable, which unfortunately has been a very common word that we've used recently. Uh, but it, it means they have to be perfect? No. What it means is they have to be of good standing within the community. They have to live lives that uh, people do not call into question how they are living their lives. They have to be above reproach. They have to be uh, above disappointment. Paul's saying, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. And I don't want to be disappointed, so don't appoint a leader that is going to disappoint me. So they have to be above reproach. That is kind of the overarching uh, qualification. They have to be the husband or the spouse of one spouse. Well, that seems kind of odd, right? Well, that seems quite natural. But during this time, there were certainly people that had multiple wives, or they would marry somebody, they wouldn't like that person because they didn't cook the right things, they would just divorce them, they would marry somebody else. And so they have to be committed to their marital relationship. This is where it gets a little bit interesting. And his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. See, this is where my parents both were disqualified from leadership when I was a kid. People looked at me, they would say, clearly, <laughs> your parenting issues, you have some parenting issues. Why is it that the kids are responsible for the parents' position in the church? Well, part of it is, the, the idea goes, if you can't run your house, then you can't run the church. In essence, if you can't take care of your own children, then how are you going to take care of all of the things that exist within the church? And so that is a qualification that gets put out there. And again, this goes back to the idea. I mean, imagine living on an island, literally on an island. I mean, we think it's kind of weird that we live in an area where you see people that you know all the time. Imagine if we could never leave. Like we drew a border around the Brainerd Lakes area and you could never leave. So if you thought it was hard now because people would see you out, Imagine what it was like for these kids back then. They're like, oh, you're so-and-so's parent, or you're the child of so-and-so. Uh, clearly, they're not a very good parent. Seems a little unfair now that I'm a parent. And yet, that is what was out there. And then he says in verse 7, for an overseer. Now, the interesting thing that we get here is to what degree are these elders and overseers different? Well, there really isn't that much of a difference. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be 
above reproach. Same baseline standard. It's kind of like if you're applying for a job and they say, uh, you need to have a college degree. Like, this is the baseline standard for both uh, positions. And why is that? Because they are God's stewards or God's shepherds of uh, this church. He must not be. Now, this is the the to-don'ts list. You guys have heard of a to-do list? This is the to-don'ts list. He says he must not be an arrogant, he must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain. It's interesting because the first thing he says is they are to not be arrogant or quick-tempered. Part of this list of characteristics we say well, this must be all the things that if you can check all these boxes, then you're in a good spot. That's part of it. But part of it is when you think about these characteristics, they're basically the opposite of Jesus. And if Jesus is leading the church and these people are to lead the church now that he's gone, he doesn't want people who are arrogant leading the church. You guys know these people, right? They're like, oh, I'm the greatest do what I say because I'm incredible, I'm amazing. You're familiar with these people? You're like, I would never do anything for you because I don't like your attitude. But it's not just arrogant, it's arrogant and quick-tempered. Now, quick-tempered is something that, well, we'll get into this in a little bit. Or a drunkard or violent. Again, these are things that uh, we say, well, yeah, of course. Part of it is they don't want people who are swayed by the things of this world leading the church or greedy for gain. At the time, there were groups of folks that would go around and they would try and preach and they would try and and gain things. They would charge you. Like tonight, I would go around and I I would say, instead of give me candy or give you candy, I would ask you to give me candy and people would try and capitalize and make money off of the church. And somebody who's greedy for gain says, all right, we can set this church up in such a way where we can make extra money. And so they don't want someone like that in the front of the church or leading the church. Now, the to-do list. These are the things that we should be looking at. Hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Now, there's going to be a number of lists and a number of instructions throughout the book of Titus. It's easy for us to say, I'm not that person. You guys say, why does this matter to me? Because I'm not a leader in the church, so once I decide to be a leader, then I'll get my life together and I'll meet the standards. This is for all the people that exist within the church, and so we, can't, we don't just say, well, this doesn't apply to me. This applies to all of us. And, and so he gets this counter list, hospitable. Well, hospitable is essentially the opposite of the person who's greedy for gain. It's the person who wants to give things to other people. It's not the person that just looks to serve themselves. You ever go over to a friend's house and the friend, it's like dinner time, and the friend goes to the to the fridge, and they grab themselves a soda, they grab themselves some food, and you're like, 
could I, could I have something to drink, please? You been there? It's awkward, right? Right? Hospitable. You're like, oh, welcome to my house. What can I get you? You go first. You eat this. Anything else I can get you? Or, or the one time I had Brett, uh, you know, Brett Laugan, their guys' leader. He was staying overnight for deer camp. And I was like, Brett, here's your bed. The next morning I found out Brett didn't have a pillow. <laughs> Not very hospitable. You know, he's got his sweatshirt rolled up and he's sleeping on his sweatshirt. Very awkward. Not very good. A lover of good. This isn't somebody that just settles for okay. They actually love the things that are good. And then self-controlled. What does it mean or why would it be important to be self-controlled? Well, because the opposite of that is violent. The opposite of that is, is just excessiveness. And, you know, like one of those bags make a great serving of Reese's eggs if you aren't self-controlled. A friend of mine gave me six Reese's eggs because he knows that they are the best shape of Reese's, Reese's uh, shapes. And so I was really excited and I was ex- I was exercising all the self-control, and then I go into the pantry, and I'm like, what just happened? Something or someones did not exercise self-control, and now I have no Reese's eggs, and I went to Fleet Farm today, and there are no Reese's eggs. (laughs) That's what you get for being self-controlled. People come in and eat your stuff. Paul is saying we need these people to be able to control the desires that they have. They need to be upright, meaning they need to be living a life that is upright. This idea of holy becomes interesting because oftentimes when we think of holy, we think of perfect. Joy was like, could we just have somebody else read this? I think it would make more sense. (laughs) Holy means set apart. It means set aside for God. Holy here is that they have removed themselves from the things of the world. It's like if you have a certain pair of shoes or a certain thing that you only wear at special times. Or back when I used to collect football cards and, and baseball cards and basketball cards, You'd find your holy cards, the best cards, and you'd put them in like a special case that had screws in it. Being certain that you were going to retire someday on the Brett Favre rookie card with the Atlanta Falcons that's probably worth 75 cents. And then this idea of discipline. This idea of discipline seems a lot like self-control, but it's about going through the regiments of living out a life of faith. Meaning, this person or these people are willing to do the hard work to work on their faith. You know the feeling? It's like, oh, I got this homework to do, but it's 9 o'clock at night, and I'd really rather just watch TV or just TikToks. And the disciplined person says, 
get behind me, Satan. I mean, TikTok. I'm going to do my homework. And Paul is saying these type of individuals that are disciplined, it's like there's a group of folks that get up at 4.30 in the morning to work out. <laughs> so weird. They're disciplined. I'm like, I'd much rather be sleeping or at least not getting out of my bed. So these individuals are committed not only to following Christ, but actually to living out these things in the church. And this next sentence really goes with the next section, and so we're not going to get into it too much until next week. He says, he must, or she must, hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. You know when you have a substitute teacher come in for like Algebra 2 or Algebra 1 or geometry? You're like, honestly, unless it's Russ, you're like, this person knows nothing. Literally, this person is just a warm body making sure we don't do something we're not supposed to. But this person has no concept of how the algebra that you're supposed to be doing is going to work. And so do you ask them questions? No. Like, why would I ask you a question that you're just going to go and look at a, a YouTube video to try and give me the answer? I might as well just go to the YouTube myself. These people that are going to be leading the church need to know what they're talking about. And so we're going to get into that a little bit more next or in two weeks, not after next week. Next week, I mean, how fun is it that snow is on St. Patrick's Day? You guys can all dress up in your green and play with four-leaf clovers, eat mint chip ice cream, have shamrock shakes, maybe eat grasshoppers or thin mints. So, what Paul is trying to establish for us is some qualifications. And the question for, that we have to ask ourselves is, how do we meet this standard, or do we have some work to do? And so that's some of the stuff you're going to be talking about tonight in your small groups. So, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight, and we don't know why you have brought us snow like the white stuff, because we're not real good with it right now, so whatever. But you have given us your word, and you've given us a place that is warm and dry where we can gather and be together, and, and we can read these words that Paul wrote to Titus, and we can ask you how, how these affect us. How do, the, how do these words and how do these instructions about how we are to live, how do they impact us in our lives? And Holy Spirit, we ask, what is one thing from us tonight that you would like? What is one of those characteristics that Paul lists that you're pushing us towards in a way that will grow our relationship with you, that will allow us to move closer and closer to you? Be with our time in small groups, 
be with our discussions, allow us to be open to one another, and then keep us safe and the GM. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's start at the back.